please take your seats. It's great to be here in the house of God. I get a real sense that there is faith in this house. Anybody feel that? There's a tangible something going on that God is on the move and we're part of what God is about to do. So I don't know if you know your Bible really well, but we saw this, that Jesus found places of faith when he walked around and he was inhibited or unlimited by the aspect of faith in, in the places that he went. So certain places were resistive to the plans of God and he couldn't do much. Other places were open to what, what God wanted to do and he could do lots. What sort of church do you want? Do you want to stand in the way of God or do you want to stand for God and go, God, whatever you've got this morning, I want that. How many, who, want, who wants God here? Who wants a dull church service? You didn't come here for dull, did you? You know, you came here for something vibrant and something alive in God. There is a great scripture uh, in the Bible in Proverbs 29 verse 18 that says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. The message words it like this. If people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When you attend to what God reveals, you are most blessed. I want to have a go, really, at starting to pick and dig into what God has got in store for us here at Riverside. Now, I've kind of been around Devon for a fair while now. And Devon, one of the great things about Devon, there are so many great things. If you're on holiday, just stay, right? You don't need to go home. You know, this is close to heaven. You know, it's next door. You know, there are so many wonderful things. We was at Pennywell Farm yesterday, which is a, a, an attraction. We were just looking over the rolling hills and the sun was out. And we was looking at God's nature and God's creation and God's design. And we were in it. You know, there's such a picture of heaven and I love this about God. There's other kind of attractions available too. I'm sure you're aware and you've been to many. Who's been to the House of Marbles? Yeah, so it's, it's great, right? It's free. It's like kind of, if you're kind of trying to kind of watch your pennies, you can go to that, right? I kind of think it's an attraction. And one of the best bits about the House of Marbles is the glass-blowing center. Have you you've been there? You walk in and you can feel the atmosphere shift the moment you walk in, right? I think that's when God is in the room and God is in the place. There's an environmental atmosphere shift when you think something here is different. And you walk in and it's the heat, by the way. So when you walk into the glass globe thing, you kind of hit this wall of heat and you see this huge forge in there. And then you see the glass blower, you know, going to work in there and actually mixing, you know, different com compounds and elements into a mix and then kind of putting it in like a kebab around thing. And then he puts it in the middle of the forge, you know, so there's a mixture and then it's heat. And then the heat goes to work on the glass components and makes it incredibly moldable and flexible. And then they take out and they've got this big pipe that they blow air bubbles into it. And in the heat and in the mold and the strength and the flexibility, you see some beautiful things created. You just sit, I could just sit there for hours going, wow. There's a process to the shaping of something Beautiful. And I kind of really want to bring that to fore right now because there is a process to God shaping something beautiful in your life. And it's worth asking the question, which process are you in? Is that early process where he's bringing you into the people of God and he's mixing and he's molding you and he's pulling you together because he knows what he's putting into your life is going to cause beauty out of that. 
But that's not the end of the story. He goes, in order to make you moldable and flexible, I need to pop you in the fire. Who volunteers to stand under the fire of God? There is a purpose to the fire of God in your life. There's something in the Bible called the refiner's fire. And God wants to place us into hot environments so that we might grow in his purposes. Because sometimes we're a little bit resistive to God. Put your hands up. You would sometimes, right? I'm, you might not know this. I'm quite stubborn. Rachel definitely knows this. She's stubborn too. If we were children, you'd say that's a lovely strong will coming out, isn't it? You know, but when you get an adult, it's stubbornness. You know, but anyway, but it is part of the metal that God has put in us. And we need softening. And we need molding in the heat. That song we've just sang, by the way. It is your breath in my lungs. Let me tell you that I sang that from the depth of my heart during a heat moment of my life. When my son was in intensive care on a lung bypass because his lungs had failed and one was full of fluid and the other was three quarters full and they said, you have got moments to live. This song is what I sang during that season of my life. I can't sing it now without remembering it. It is a fiery furnace of life, but in that fire, there is miracles. Because Nathan survived that journey. Not only survived, he came out kicking and screaming and dancing and whooping because of the miraculous work of God in his life. But actually, there are times in life when God just says, Aaron, I need to put you in an environment because in this heat, you're going to grow. Because this is going to soften your heart. This is going to soften your stubbornness. This is going to put you in a place. But what I'm about to do, I'm going to bring you out of that fire. And I'm going to breathe my life into you. The power of the Holy Spirit, when God breathes into us, suddenly this heat changes into beauty and moldable and being shaped by God. And all of the beautiful glasswork that you've seen, you only have to just type into Google. Even now, you'll see the beauty of that. And did you know God is shaping you for service? God is shaping you to be beautiful. God is shaping you for purpose. God is shaping us as a church that we might be a container for his blessing, for his anointing. And this purpose behind this message is to encourage us to understand that God is shaping us together. Jeremiah chapter 18. Turn it in your Bible. It's a shaping text. It's that moment, you know, of that craftsmanship where it says, the Lord gave me another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's house and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me. Can I just pause there, right? How many times when God talks to you, you say that, and I did what he said? Or, if we're really honest, it takes a little bit of a while. You know, so we don't know how long it was. Anyway, we know that Jeremiah, so he did. I found the potter. I saw him working at the wheel, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. Have you ever been through life or in a journey when things haven't turned out the way you hoped? And it says, so he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. And the Lord gave him this message, Israel, Can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. You know this scripture is about submission. 
The greatest release for you to find the plans and purposes of God is to submit to our sovereign God. To say to God, you know better than I do. You have this way. You know beyond. You know my future. And although I might not understand today, I'm going to submit myself, my life, into your hands as the master craftsman to shape my life. And that is called faith. That is called trust. And it doesn't matter whether you're first time in church today, you know, to say, I, I don't know whether God is real. There may be a moment by the end of this service where you might have enough faith, enough trust in God to say, actually, I am going to entrust my life into his hands. And that's what we mean by becoming a Christian and saying yes to Jesus and allow him to work in our lives. Job 10 verse 8 says, your hands shaped me and altogether formed me. Please remember that you molded me like clay. Job 21 verse 22 says, submit to God. Be at peace with him and in this way prosperity will come to you. I remember when I was a police officer when things would get a little bit out of hand. And I would have to go to situations by which people are, let's just say, they're a little bit excitable uh, or violent, as you might do. And they're fighting, and it's all bad, you know, and the atmosphere shifts, and it's a bit ugly, and it's just totally the devil having his playground and messing up with people's lives, because that's what happened when violence is erupting. And then you turn up as a police officer to bring peace, to speak peace, and to speak life into that, and you have to roll your sleeves up and just get involved. You know, there's no pretty way to do that. You just have to literally run in and try and grab hold of something to hold and bring peace. It's, that's, that's the goal. That's the measure. It's not because police officers are violent. They're just trying to bring peace into that. And there's a phrase I've teach you in training school, which is, stop resisting. It came to mind as I was thinking, because sometimes I just feel like, as a pastor, I would just want to say, you know, when you want to come to God, stop resisting. Stop fighting him. Stop telling him you know better. You don't. The quicker you realize, the quicker you go, okay, God, is this moment that God says, I'm in. I'm right in to your life to shape you for what I have designed for you. Who's ready to be shaped? Who trusts God enough to be placed in the forge? Luke 22, verse 42. This is Jesus being shaped, by the way says this prayer, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours. Do you ever sweat when you start to read the Bible? This is one of those passages. The reason if you don't know that passage is because this is just pre the crucifixion of Christ. This is pre-death. This is pre-one of the most ugliest, grotesque, painful, uh, torturous death. And he's saying, God, if there's another way, I'll take it. But if your only way is this way, your will be done. Here's the point. If he did not pray that prayer, you wouldn't be sat here this morning. That's how powerful that prayer is. You understand that God has got a bigger picture than sometimes we can see. And actually, I think God was looking right the way for eternity. And him and Jesus were going, right, this is about the salvation of the souls of millions. He was being shaped for service. He was being shaped for sacrifice. 
He was being shaped for our destiny in our life. You see, everything's got a shape, hasn't it? If you don't know this, just look in the mirror. I think round is a shape, isn't it, you know? Isn't it? The chair that you're sat on has got a shape, right? The chair isn't an accident, you know, not because we put it there deliberately so when you could come you can sit on it, but there was a designer who designed the chair. They've thought about your weight. They've thought about the maximum capacity of your weight, and they designed the width of it so it'd fit your bottom nicely. They did it. When we bought this particular chair, we've got a slightly wider version so that you would be more comfortable because we'd like a little bit more space. Do you remember that planning meeting, Helen? You know, we talked about chairs, isn't it? There's a design. There's an intention. The comfort on it. The contour of your back. The height of it. If you ever sat in my office, you know that they've designed the sofa too high, you know, because your legs are just swinging off if you sit on there. You know, you'll see there's a design to everything. And then I kind of look at it and go, who designed me? Who designed you? Somebody is ringing me in church. <laughs> Spam. <clears throat> That's my mother, isn't it? Who designed me? I was just somebody saying about to ring to tell me the answer, isn't it? I know the answer to that. So why were you shaped the way you were shaped? Who shaped you? What's the reason behind that? Rick Warren's got a, a great way of taking the word shape, you know, and moving it into understanding who we are. He talks about our spiritual gifts. All of us have spiritual gifts. He talks about our heart, H, being a heart that actually you realize over life, did you know that you've gone for experiences and your heart, you know, shapes who you are? The experience of life that you've faced, your education on the things that you've gone through, it's all different. You're no accident. You know, God's done it. Your personality, by the way, is different to the person next to you. You're unique in that, you know. And so your abilities, I miss the A, I put the A in the E. I do apologize, it's going to wriggle all around. But your abilities is basically the things that you can do. God gave you and shaped you and made you for purpose to make a difference in life. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we have to hold that thing of God, wow, I am the clay. And you've shaped me. What is it about Esther for such a time as this? I kind of like this because it just takes the eternal shape of us and it puts us into the moment of now. And if we could just take a pause in our life to think, what is God shaping us for as a church? If you look at an arrow, an arrow is shaped deliberately to make a difference, to make an impact to strike at the harder thing. It's formed of three areas, the, the arrowhead, the shaft, and the fletchlings at the end. They all are designed for a purpose to make it effective. You, don't, you never see the arrow just getting out with a little arrowhead and just kind of put it in and just pinging it. That it would just go, it wouldn't go very far. You need a shaft there, and so you'll see the drawback, isn't it? And you know what? If you didn't have the fletchling at the end, which is the feathers, by the way, and it's designed simply so that as the arrow shoots, it spins throughout the air and it keeps the arrow's line true until it hits its target. They're all working together in that. And there are three things about this church that we have put together in order for you to understand there's three component parts that we might know what we're about. That we might fly true and far and fast, but we might stay on track with what God has called us to be. Our arrowhead is our mission statement, what we were about. 
What is church really all about? The church is called to transform the world, by, to help people experience God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and to make the difference. There's a process of spiritual growth in our life that actually we might first start experiencing God if we always say, do you want to know Jesus? But knowing Jesus and finding freedom from the hurts of the world and the pain of sin takes time and takes pastoral care to heal us in that. And then we need to grow in what God is doing by discovering our purpose. It's called discipleship. We don't just come to Christ and get healed by Jesus. We actually grow in going, I know who I'm meant to be. And then God says, right, you're now ready. And I'm now going to shoot you into what I've called you to be, to make a difference. There is everybody here this morning called to make a difference in our life. For me personally, I just look at a room and I just want to see two things. I want people to find God and I want them to follow Jesus. And it doesn't matter what room I'm in. It doesn't matter where I'm on a bus. It doesn't matter if I'm in Pennywell Farm. If I'm sat in church, I just kind of want to go, I just want you to find God because he's so incredible. He is so amazing. He's the creator of the universe. He's the all-powerful. He's the all-knowing. He's transformed my life. I want you to know him. But I know this. He is the epitome. Jesus is the image of the unseen God. And I'm not called just to know God. I'm called to follow Jesus. And there's the challenge, by the way. We're called to take up our cross and to follow him. Those three things are the fletchling of the little three feathers at the end. There's things we look at as a church which are really important to us. We want to flow in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want to grow the family of God, and we want to grow in the mission of Jesus Christ, right? We're going to say that a lot. We've said it a lot. We'll say it a lot. We'll keep saying it a lot simply because that's what we're about. I want us to know what we are about as a church. So who's got kind of a flash sound system on their car? Who's got a little cool little graphic equalizer? You know what it is? You, need, you, you have it on your phone as well. You can change your frequency of your listening experience. Anybody know what I'm doing? You can have like a pop mix or jazz or classical or normal. And what it does, by the way, if you don't know this, uh, it kind of moves your sound frequency line. And just to simplify it, just to help you with, there are three main mid-ranges in that. There's a bass tone, uh, there's a mid-tone, and there's a, there's a high tone, you know, in our frequency. Did you know your ears like it? Let me just kind of just demonstrate. Just, I don't know whether you're able to do this right. If, if we took the bass tone out of my voice on the mix, right, can we just remove my bass, you know, just to see how that sounds in that. Can you hear the change? I've already got quite a high voice normally. Uh, I don't like that. It's just the way it is. I just have to lift with that, things like that. Uh, can we kind of, kind of put the bass back in and can we take the treble out? You know, that whole thing. And so I, this, I prefer this. <laughs> I don't know why this is. This maybe like sounds like some late night radio DJ, you know, because ladies, late night love, you know, and they, they've got that, isn't it? I reckon they play with that mix just to get it a bit more, I don't know. Anyway, in that, and then you can take the mid-tones out of that and you get the mid-tone miss. It's just, oh, I don't like that either, isn't it? Hello. Sounds like Joe Pasquale, isn't it? <laughs> the guy with no mid-tone. Here's the bottom line, by the way, in mix. You need all three. You need three levels of sound quality, by the way, and, and we need balance, right? Who hates the word balance? But here's the point. 
Power comes when you've got three equal amounts working together like the arrowhead of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the family of God, and the mission of Jesus Christ. And when you've got all of it in together, you get balance. Let me show you what happens if you go to the gym and you haven't got balance, by the way. And there is nudity in this picture, so the board could just talk to me afterwards if it's too much nudity, uh, things like that. Uh, so there we go. Right in the middle, right? If, if you don't do leg day, who goes to the gym? There's probably about five of us here, right? Oh, not bad, isn't it? If you just never do leg day, you're going to be the guy in the middle, right? Thin chicken legs, you know, and you know, you'll see them and then people that just do their upper body strength at the Buddha, it just looks a bit weird. It's the same if you never did upper body and you just worked on your leg and you have these monster kind of glutes coming out and the guy on the right-hand side, I've actually opaqued it a little bit just to help your palate. You know, things like that. Everything's like really thin at the top. And then you've got the guy on the left-hand side who's really, really fit. But he's just got a huge belly gut. The bottom line is we need to be strong in all three physical disciplines of legs, upper body, and core. To be ultimately the athlete that we're all trying to be, aren't you? And all of us want to be none of those. But, you know, somewhere in the middle, we all want to be that. Because the reason is that's when we're most efficient. The church needs to be balanced in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the family of God, and the mission of Jesus Christ. So just think for a moment what the church looks like when the Holy Spirit is low. I don't know if you've been to churches that might not have a a discipline or theology or a praxis for the Holy Spirit. But when I've gone in, it's a bit dry, isn't it? It's incredibly structured, it's a little bit religious, you know, and I kind of, kind of go in, you know, like eating a sponge cake at the church fete that's just dry as anything, and it sucks all the moisture out of your mouth. Have you ever done that? I was a terrible child, by the way. I went to a lot of church fates, and there was some poor cooking. It's got better, by the way, just like, it's not about this church, obviously. There were other churches. And I, I remember just putting a, a cake in my mouth, and then and literally it would suck all the moisture out, and I'd be like... <laughs> My irritating child that I was, I know that's hard to believe, I would walk out the back, I would take it out of the mouth, and I would just throw it over the church fence. I didn't know as a child that there were obviously somebody lived next door. I now as an adult realize that guy probably hated God. Because every time there was a church event, he'd probably come out in the morning and say, why is there loads of cake on my lawn? <laughs> Let's not be dry. And here's the thing I want you to think about in, in, in that. On the levels of the graphic equalizer on your life, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, just, just pause for a moment, because you've got the power to put it up or take it down. Where are you? Because let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit is in my life, it's never dry. It is exciting. It is vibrant. It's a little bit like a roller coaster sometimes because I might fully understand what God wants to do, but I'm like, wow, I feel you moving. You know, even before getting up today, I feel God moving. I feel the Holy Spirit saying, come on, Aaron. When Hannah gets up and goes, God wants to take us up another level. And you know what she did there? She put her finger on the spiritual graphical equalizer and she said, let's just turn it up a few notches. And you went, yes. Oh, hail King Jesus, I'm going to have some of that. And your arms went up and we're going to lift Jesus up. That's the temperature went up. Kim, what does the church look like if we've got low family dynamics? It's lonely, isn't it? 
I don't want you to come into church and no one talk to you. Well, it's like you're invisible. Because here's the thing. It says God has put the lonely in families. And we are called to grow together, to know each other, to know each other's names, to know what we're going through, to pray with each other. And this is why we have groups all over the church, whether they're connect groups or demographic groups or youth groups or children's groups, you know, or cafe here or the cafe. The whole thing is designed for us to be the family of God. So that we might grow. Because did you know, I need people to grow my spirituality. I need people to say, are you okay? How are you doing? How's God in your life? Is there anything I need to pray for you, Aaron? And if I need that, you do too. It is positive. It's a family of God because we all need each other. I wouldn't be here today without people inputting into my life. So put your finger on that thing of that family dial of that graphic equalizer and ask yourself the question, is there something more I can do to increase my family commitment into the house of God? Can I be that person that asks others? Can I be the person that does the four coffees? Can I be the someone that says, hey, we should catch up about that? Can I be the person that prays? You know, we can wait all day to receive it and actually be first to go, I'm just going to be a giver of family. I've noticed that people who do that and give themselves into family are never lonely. They're never bored. They're never looking for things to do because people and the family of God is their world. I want to be a church that doesn't just put the graphic equalizer up on the Holy Spirit, but actually puts it up in relation to the family of God. But there's another slider. Aaron, do you want to get up if that's all right? This is quite a difficult one because this is the mission of Jesus Christ. Just think for a moment what a church looks like if we don't do mission. If we don't share our faith, if we don't talk about who we are, if we don't share with community what Jesus is like, what does church look like? There are plenty of churches that will help you see this. Because there will be six elderly folk in their 80s who perhaps lovely people and love each other and have been through life's toils and strifes but somehow have lost the ability to talk to their community to open the doors. It's not an age thing, by the way. Because you'll see from young to old, we're covered on all things in the concept of the church. The older you get, you don't get outdated. I would suggest if you're old without the Holy Spirit, there's a danger. But if you have the Spirit of God in, we can never get old, can we? Keith, he's like 117. <laughs> but you think he's great? I, I think he's. I think he carries the spirit of the life of God. And I, I and I know he's an evangelist. I know he can't help but talk about Jesus. But I think we're called as a church to be that, not just in church but out of church. And so, put your finger on that equalizer of your life and just say, God. Is there something I can do perhaps this week just to perhaps push that level up a bit? It's as simple as this. I wear some around my wrist. And on it are four simple pictures that tells me I am loved by God. There was a moment in my life I did things that separated me from God. But Jesus came and died for me to give his life and he rose again. And he offered me a new life in Christ. And then he left me a decision to make to say, will you follow me? I can wear that. I can say that in less than two minutes. 
I can ask you whether you know that you're loved. I can ask you whether you're fed up with walking away from God and you know that Jesus wants to bring you back into relationship with you and that submit your life to him to be forgiven and to make a decision today. I can ask you that right now. It's as simple as doing that. And I find, right, the Holy Spirit loves that in our life. You want to have a mega boost this week? Share your faith. You will feel like a different person. It doesn't matter how rubbish you feel you do it. You'll have this injection of energy from God. So in this process, I want us to just bring a moment of prayer. And I'll do it in two levels, just to let you understand. The first is that we know how to connect with God in our own space, in our own freedom, where we, where we sit and where we stand. Okay, well, and what I mean by that is, like the glass blower, that you just say to God, is there any phase of that, that development where are you molding me in? Are you putting me for the heat process? Are you breathing your life into me? Are you shaping me? Just ask the Holy Spirit, just have a free conversation, which stage do you identify with? And there the Holy Spirit's really good at just talking through where you are right now and just bringing a little bit of insight to you. And there's a, just, that's just fun. It's just easy to do, isn't it? Have a chat with the Holy Spirit. 